Welcome to Leadership Stuff. This podcast is a production of Life Connection Ministry International, and I'm the host, Bishop Tim Daly, the president and co-founder. Leadership Stuff is dedicated to pastors, ministers, and spiritual leaders who are actively involved in ministry. It is our prayer that this podcast will bring encouragement, insight, and spiritual support to those who are serving on the front lines of ministry. We will try to accomplish this through practical teaching, interviews with leaders who are impacting their communities, and heart-to-heart talks about issues that are affecting the church today. Don't forget to check out our website on a regular basis. It is www.lcminetwork.com. Here you will find out about upcoming events, important announcements, video teachings, available books and material, and information about our Fellowship of Churches. Welcome back to Leadership Stuff. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of the sovereign of the sudden. As leaders, we all face things that come upon us suddenly and catch us off guard and cause us to really, at times, question God. So I want to talk to you about some lessons we can learn from these events that come into our world. I want to read to you today from Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. And I thank you that we serve a God who is sovereign. You're on the throne. You're in control. And that our lives are not accidents or just mishaps going through life, Lord, one mishap after the other. But, Lord, we have a God who loves us, has a plan for our life, cares about us, and who's in control of the world around us. And so, Lord, I pray that you will teach us some valuable lessons that will help us as leaders to be more prepared for those sudden events that come into our life and to be able to know how to handle it when we deal with situations, even with other people. So, Lord, just prepare our hearts to receive your word. Let it come alive and active in us. And thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. 
When we talk about God being sovereign, we say that he is in control. Uh, There are many verses that support the sovereignty of God in Scripture. Like Psalm 115, verse 3, it says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Or Psalm 135, 6 says, The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the sea, and all the depths. In other words, God's in control. Job 42.2, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. Or Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, it says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God. There is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Or 1 Timothy 6.15 says, At just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And lastly, 1 Chronicles 29 Verse 11 and 12 says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. So, as we read the scripture, it's very clear that God is sovereign. He's in control. As we read this passage today from Mark chapter 4, we see that he's in control of the wind and the waves. He's in control of the storms that we face in our lives. And so, as we look at that, as we think about his sovereignty today, I want us to go back to Mark chapter 4 again, and let's look at this particular scene. The Sea of Galilee is where this event takes place, and it's a beautiful jewel in the northern part of Israel. You have to understand the Sea of Galilee is not large. It's more like a, a lake than what we think of as a sea. It's only 13 miles in length, seven and one-half miles at its widest point, surrounded by hills, including the Golan Heights. The sea itself was the chief source of revenue for its fishermen, and it was a place of beauty and pleasure for those who lived around its shore. Jesus made his headquarters here, and many of his miracles and much of his ministry took place here. It was from this sea that he called his first disciple. Now, seeking a break from the demand of the excited crowds that had begun to follow him, Jesus takes a boat, gets some of his disciples, and they push out to sea. And as they drift off for some rest and relaxation, but suddenly their leisure day was disrupted by a violent storm. 
Now, you have to understand that this was not unusual for the Sea of Galilee. The sea is 680 feet below sea level, surrounded by hills that send the cool air from the heights of Mount Hermon, hurtling through their ravines that serves as a giant wind tunnel to collide with the warm, moist air flowing east from the Mediterranean Sea. And when this happens, it, the results can produce a very dramatic storm. In fact, I've been to the Sea of Galilee and stood on the shore when it was a beautiful evening, calm, lovely. And then in just moments, the wind arises and suddenly there's big waves and a tumultuous storm that comes up. And in that sudden storm, Jesus did an astounding thing. And in that, we can learn some things that counsel us in the light of the devastating experiences that we seek to navigate through in these days. See, we all face sudden events, sudden storms, things that catch us off guard. So how do we deal with this? What kind of lessons can we learn from this to help us as leaders and as individuals ourselves? How do we deal with those things that catch us off guard in our ministry, in our families, in our personal lives, in our health? How do we deal with it? Well, let me give you several lessons that I've learned from this passage. First, there are no guarantees in our life against the sudden. First of all, we have to be reminded that although the sovereign of the universe is on the boat, it is no guarantee against the sudden. And in this case, it was a sudden storm. It has been the mistaken notion of many that if a person is a faithful follower of Jesus, he or she is protected from the troubles of life. In other words, they believe their children will be successful, sickness will never come their way, their financial ventures will always succeed, and disappointment will never knock at their door. But a quick look at some of the men and women who knew and served God in the scripture will, we, will reveal the falsehood of this kind of belief. Look at Joseph, a man who loved and was faithful to the Lord, but he went to prison. Job lost everything but his life. How about Jeremiah? He was put in prison. How about Paul? He had an affliction that plagued him all his life. All of the original disciples were martyred for their faith in Jesus, except one, and he was an exiled prisoner. See, Jesus never promised a rose garden tour of life. However, he did promise in Matthew 28, 20, that I am with you always. You see, it may be tough to be in a storm with Jesus, but my friend, imagine being in one without him. So I don't care how long you've been a believer, or you've been serving God, or how perfect you've been living your life. The reality is, as we live here on this earth, and as we walk through faithfully for the Lord, we're going to face sudden events. There's no promise that we will not meet up with sudden events or experience. The second thing we can learn from here is that it may seem like God isn't doing anything. See, it appears that these sudden experiences of life that grieve us and threaten our sense of God's nearness and care, that God isn't doing anything. 
But these experienced veteran fishermen were thoroughly frightened. Their lives were on the line, yet Jesus appeared to be sleeping through the situation. In life, things come at us that we cannot control. Come through the actions of other people, and some things in life are never explained. God seems to be silent at those times when we long for a word. One theologian in facing his dilemma said that sometimes the silence of God is God's highest thought. That's profound. It's a wonderful statement. Sometimes the silence of God is God's highest thought. Like these hardy fishermen, we protest the seeming inaction of Jesus when he seems to be asleep at the wheel of our lives. We've all been there before. We've all faced challenges and situations that caught us off guard and we're wondering, Jesus, where are you? Why aren't you helping? Why aren't you working this out for us? In those times, sometimes it just seems like he doesn't care. Also, I learned that fear can replace faith. Jesus did hear their cries for help. And when he heard them, he sprang into action. He spoke, and the wind ceased, and the waves curled up around his feet like a submissive tiger under the voice of their trainer. He then asked a penetrating question, why are you so afraid? There are three words for fear in the language of the New Testament. And in this passage, Jesus uses the one that is always used in a bad sense. The men were deeply terrified. See, when fear comes, faith is removed. We live in a world with much to cause fear. The fear of terrorists, the fear of illness, the fear of losing our job, being victimized by brutal crimes or white-collar fraud. Fear can literally immobilize us as it did Jesus' companions. See, when fear knocks, we must send faith to answer the door. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. But instead, look at it, it says, He's given us power and love and a sound mind. When the sudden comes in our lives, the Sovereign Savior is looking for us to look at Him. See, they had seen Jesus do mighty things in recent days. They knew He had the power to heal the sick and cast out demons, but their faith trembled at this unexpected turn of events. And in the light of His power and faithfulness in the past, Jesus asked, do you still have no faith in verse 40? See, Jesus challenges us to look deep within us and remember some things that can turn our pain, our grief, our questions, and our uncertainties in the beginning of healing in the face of this unanticipated event. You know, let me give you some important truths about fear. I've learned that our fears are the greatest hindrances to God's work in our lives. 
when we take our eyes off of him, we, like Peter when he was walking on the water, will begin to sink. It's important that we keep our eyes on him. I love that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, when we take our eyes off of him, we'll be overcome by the sudden experiences of our life. Second thing I see is that what we fear, we worship. Basically, fear is the opposite of faith. And when we put our faith in the Lord, we worship him. But when we are a, put our fear in a circumstance around us and we get our eyes off of the Lord, we begin to be overwhelmed by that. We basically worship that. And we also see that the devil uses fear to cripple us. He He's the father of fear and lies and he wants us to be afraid, and when we're afraid, it fr- we freeze, and we're crippled by that. So the devil uses these things to try and cripple us. So how do I deal with that fear? Well, I have to realize the source of fear. That's the devil. And remember our strength. It's the Lord. And then speak the word. We'll wield the sword of the Spirit. Let's remind ourselves of what God has promised us. And speak to our fears. And then we need to praise the Lord. Because when we praise the Lord, our focus is in the right direction. So we understand that fear can replace faith. So we need to be a people that turn our eyes in the right direction. And call out to the right one to deliver us and to help us through our situation. So often we turn to everyone else and counselors and our own credit cards or whatever else it is in our trouble and our problems, but we need to turn our eyes on him. Then the fourth thing I learned in this passage is that Jesus hears our cries. See, we're to remember that although Jesus did not hear the howling storm, he heard his disciples' cries. It's much like a mother who hears the cries of her baby or a shepherd that hears the bleating of the sheep. So does Jesus hear our cries. Isaiah 59.1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Rest assured, brothers and sisters, that whatever you're facing or will face or as you're dealing with other people, understand that we need to cry out to him. And when we do, we're promised that he hears our cries. He's touched by our prayers and he wants us to come to him. So Jesus hears our cries for help. And number five, I see in this passage that Sudden storms serve to turn us to Jesus. See, we can be so caught up in everything else in life that God has moved into the edges of our existence. It doesn't happen quickly, but gradually the joy of knowing and serving Him evaporates from um, our lives. 
and then the sudden storm hits. Before the storm, we had forgotten what God looks like, and now in the storm, we turn to see him again. You know, none of us like the storms, and yet sometimes those storms are a great blessing because they get us back on track. They turn our our eyes in the right direction again. We reach out to him and we get things in our life prioritized properly. And number six, I see that storms don't last forever. I see that in verse 39. In the certain localities in the world, as on the Sea of Galilee, a storm can brew within a matter of minutes and hurl its fury and torrents of rain, lightning flashes and thunder, and then it's over. I happen to live in Phoenix, Arizona, and in the summertime, we get monsoons. All of a sudden, a beautiful, sunshiny day, it's warm, it's hot, and in a moment, a cloud of dust can come blowing into our area, and then rain and lightning um, catches you off guard. And then it's over. One minister said his favorite text was, It shall come to pass, Acts 2.17. So too will the turbulence through which we presently walk or may face in the future. The pain will linger at times, but its power will be softened because storms don't last forever. In the midst, we think they'll never quit. But we need to remember they will come to pass. The seventh thing I see is that God will assist others in the midst of our storm. I love this verse and this thought here. The sovereign of the sudden does something else in our storms. Not only is he there to assist us, but he will assist others who see us coming through our assault to be blessed in the storms they are facing. See, when Jesus' boat started across the lake, it says in verse 36, there were also other boats with him. They became survivors too because Jesus worked in the one and the overflow of protection encircled the others. People watch how we deal with our crisis. Is God real in our lives? Is the faith we have practiced and sung about and shared with others robust enough to take this blow that we are experiencing? How are we responding? Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you're being watched. Those around you that work with you, that live around you, that know you, and know your faith in Christ, they're watching how you're going to respond in the midst of this crisis, or this circumstance, this storm. There was once a couple that had prayed for a baby boy for years. God answered them, and after several childless years with a girl, a few years later, a boy arrived. But in his preschool years, he became violently ill one afternoon. He was immediately rushed to the hospital. The trauma team did their best. And after a couple hours, a doctor approached the mother with the news that the child's condition was critical. 
He would either die or be physically disabled for life if, by slim chance, he survived. And then he turned and he walked away while family and friends stood in stunned silence. Suddenly, the mother called out, Doctor, come back here. And she said, Doctor, thank you for what you've done. This child belongs to God. We prayed for him. God gave him to us. We gave him back to God. If God takes him, he'll be okay. If he leaves him, that's great for us. If he chooses to take him, we will be okay. And they were. And other people were encouraged by their experience. You see, when God's working in us, there's a residual of what God's doing in our lives that works out into the lives of people around us. And then finally, I learned that storms remind us that the sovereign of the sudden is really in control. Verse 41. The disciples were overwhelmed by what they had seen. They had a new fear, a reverential fear. They had seen Jesus with a word rebuke the wind and the waves. They were reminded that the sovereign of the sudden is in control when everything else seems to be totally out of control. That boat could not sink because God's plan for the world was on it. Someone has said, no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of heaven and earth and skies. See, God's plan and purpose for our loved ones and for our lives are not subject to the whims, accidents, circumstances, illnesses, and evil. God works through these to bring about his will. We stand on the assurance of Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hallelujah. There's a story of David Watson. He was a dynamic pastor of the St. Michael's Church in York, England. Large crowds filled the sanctuary week after week to hear him call them to faith and fellowship with Jesus. And in the prime of his life, Watson was diagnosed with cancer. The people prayed and he fought it. But in the end, it ravaged his body and he went home to be with the captain of his soul. The following, the following Sunday, a cherished friend was asked to lead in the worship and the com communion service at the church. And when he stood to speak, emotion overcame him as he thought of the absence of his recently deceased friend. He wept, as did the grief-stricken congregation. Then someone thought about a phrase that David often used. 
Sometimes, even in the middle of a message, David Watson would shout, Our Lord reigns! Quietly but strong enough to be heard, he said, Our Lord reigns! And another picked it up. Then another in the congregation joined them. And soon that packed sanctuary was filled with hundreds of voices chanting together on their feet, Our Lord reigns. For minutes, it rocked the cavernous worship hall. And then applause and cheering broke out. You see, depression gave way to celebration. The sovereign of the sudden was, is, and always will be in charge. In our pain and sorrow, we stand on the everlasting truth that our Lord reigns. Hallelujah. Whatever you're facing today, whatever storm may have risen in your life suddenly, you can declare with confidence that your Lord reigns. He's still on the throne. He knows you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's not deserted you. Our Lord reigns. Father, thank you that you are still on the throne, that you are a sovereign God, and that you reign today. Lord, things around us seem so out of control at times. And Lord, sometimes fear grips our heart at what we're facing or what we see in the horizon around us. But Lord, with confidence today, we put our trust in your sovereign care, your protection, your reign and rule over us. Lord, thank you that we're not subject to the accidents of life. We're not an accident looking for a place to happen. And Lord, for the believer, there are no accidents, only incidents in our life. Nothing catches you off guard. And we know, Lord, that you can and you will fulfill your promises toward us. So, Lord, we put our trust in you, and we lean on you today as leaders and as pastors and ministers. Lord, we, put, we trust you today as we face the storms around us, or even the storms in our ministry. We know that you're still on the throne. Thank you, Lord. We love you, and we commit these precious people to you who are listening today. Bless them and encourage them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. When you subscribe to this podcast, you will be informed when a new episode is released. Please leave us a five-star rating if you are encouraged by these podcasts. You can also find our podcast online at lcminetwork.com. If you'd like to receive our newsletter entitled Connect, just drop us an email at info.lccoate, K 
K-U-W-A-I-T dot com. Don't forget to join with us as we partner with Journey Coffee to plant churches around the globe. Here's how it works. Go to our website and click on the Journey Coffee link. Every time you purchase some of this incredible coffee, Journey will donate a portion of the cell to LCMI Church Planting. Think about it. This is a double blessing. First, you get some great coffee that you can enjoy as you listen to leadership stuff. And secondly, you'll be partnering with us to raise more funds for missions. This is a win-win situation. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I love you, and I look forward to meeting with you again real soon. God bless.